This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Saltwater Guide. I'm sitting here with my good buddy, Kenny Nielsen. You guys have all seen his interviews, and he told me that I got to get down here and meet Bud and Bogey. These guys can tell you stories about when my father was a little kid showing up on the San Clemente Pier with his little tin tackle box. So... <laughs> We're going to just to sit down like we always do and tell some stories. We don't know where this is going or where it's headed, but hang on because I bet it's going to be a bitchin' ride. So hang in there. Here we go. Kenny, tell me about your buddies here. You, these guys are your legends, and it means a lot to me for these guys to be your legends because you were mine. I met Bud and Bogey when I was probably 10 years old, maybe, maybe younger. I you never believe this, but Kenny yeah. used to wear my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, sometimes I'd buy new shirts, I'd give them to Kenny. And yeah. he could wear them easily. Sometimes they were too big well, for He was about eight years old. Yeah. Eight eight years old. Old. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, eight, eight years old. <laughs> my dad built some apartments. Kenny was never home. little, was he? Oh, he was little. He, <laughs> he was smaller than I am. Wow. My dad, my dad built some apartments behind our house. And they rented the apartments. And uh, okay. Bud and Bogey and Bill lived there. And they all worked on the boats. And across the street, Joe Patterson lived in a house. And, well, he moved in yeah, there later, right? Yeah, and then oh, yeah. He, he rented a different house later on. And uh, so I kind of got into fishing, whether I liked it or not. <laughs> I was a young kid, and that's what to do. They had a skiff that they kept on the side of our house. And we went fishing in that skiff. I even caught a marlin when I was 10 years old. Out of that skiff. Oh, really? But I'll tell you that story. That's a good story. Yeah, tell us story. that story. Tell the story. Because he's told me before, but you know what? That doesn't mean anything. But if you tell me, then I'll believe you. Okay, we had a <laughs> we had a little radio in our truck that you could get the fishing boats. I don't know how that worked, but it did. And I was listening one day, and it was in the wintertime, fall, we'd quit fishing off the piers. And uh, I heard the boat called the Five Bells. It was a big yacht that belonged to the Packard Bell Company. Okay. And they were coming down the line uh, from Newport. All, uh, they were about off Dana Point and coming on down. And they had, uh, uh, were fishing marlin. Well, we, the weather was beautiful. It was flat, calm weather. And we, so we said, got Kenny and Bowie in the boat. And we said, let's go marlin fishing. So we, we went down and launched the boat off the pier and went out and we caught some mackerel. And we put them in a gunny sack to keep them, keep them alive, and wet gunny sack. And then we uh, started out, and here comes the five bells. And <laughs> a marlin came up between us and the five bells. And we were all rigged up and ready to go. 
and we put that mackerel out, and by God, we hooked that marlin up. And Kenny landed it. Took it right away from the five bills. Yeah, didn't just you? right on this <laughs> On your the skiff. <laughs> Big old yacht, you just yeah, took it right yeah. away from him yeah. on your skiff. You took that, that uh, fish home, didn't you? And hung it on the We hung it on the top. On the top. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, in your, in the, on in the side of your house? Wow. Crazy. That was a big fish. That was 137 pounds. That was the first marlin I ever caught. Yeah. How cool is that? And when you say, here's something that my guys don't understand. When you say you were all geared up, now look at nowadays when we're all geared up, we have a two speed with braided line and a top shot of floral carbon and a big giant circle hook. When you say you were all geared up, what do you mean you were all well, geared up? Come a, on, tell the a, guys. We had a Pen 68, yeah, I remember that. which was a wide spool reel. And I can't remember the two to one ratio, two to one gear ratio. But you, yeah. you never know this thing is two speed. Yeah. I remember your dad had one of those. Conversion, so he put on yeah. the reel. Oh, yeah. It was put on a squitter. I remember those, the conversions on the squitter, yeah. the, the little the, gearbox that went on the side, yeah. right. But, you know, <laughs> we never have fished with it. We're, we're, we're old-fashioned fishermen. I guess we're lucky your dad. We don't have any $500 reels or $400 reels. <laughs> we were still using 113 to fish uh, Thresher Sharks. The six eye. We did it all yeah. the time. Black yeah. ones, right? The yeah. black six O's yeah. or did you have? Four O's, four O's. They're four the reds. Oh, the red four O, right. And we had the spectra on there and we caught all lots of threshers on those. Nice. I'll let you know we had some problems sometimes. We had to follow the fish. We'd almost get stripped. Okay. <laughs> we got them. Back in the day you were catching threshers rod and reel when no one all else was, huh? We fished for the market. Okay. So you're fish commercial for, fishing. Yeah. Yes. So you guys fished all the time. When Kenny met you, you guys were already fishing. But something brought you. What brought you to fishing? Well, I'll tell you how it started. Please. I, I got, I, we used to fish San Clemente. Okay. And back in the late 40s, we came down every Friday night. We'd go out on the pier. Fish on, we fish, came from Glendale. Fish California. on the pier. Okay. And we had a great big floodlight. And we'd get up and we'd unscrew one of the light bulbs <laughs> in, in, on the pier, plug in the, <laughs> plug in the floodlight, drop it down into the water, near the water, and fish. I don't know how long we fished, quite a while. For live bait. And okay. With, little, fish, like with your little Joe's. Lucky Joe, four yeah. fly. Yeah. Four but fly. Again, lucky buds, not lucky yeah. And then, <laughs> then at night, we used to go down and sleep on the beach. Okay. And the city knew that. They didn't bother us at all. Yeah, city and later they built cabanas, so then we sleep in the cabanas. Yeah, day. they had some nice... The swing, the old swing type, uh, down in San Clemente. Yeah, yeah. really. We do that today. No, you know, no, no. no. Way, but we never even thought about anything. And then we take a vacation, and Nelson Cook was running the Mustang. He says, "Why don't you guys come over? You can sleep in my garage, all three of you, Bill and myself." And, <laughs> and you're like, "Really? Yeah." Because that's the captain telling yeah. you, "Huh? You're yeah. doing whatever he yeah. says, right?" So that was that was a really a good deal. And then he got to go out on the boat. Well, yeah, but yeah. we pay our way most of the time. But they give us a pass occasionally. Okay. I don't know why. We used to, we were just customers. We were right. customers. But he saw you had the passion. I yeah. guess that's, that's what it is, man. We, we used to take the third week in August off for vacation, Bogey and I and my brother. And uh, we uh, <laughs> we would fish uh, Barracuda and sell them. Here we go again, guys. Just yeah. like all the old timers tell yeah. you. Think about this. Those slimy Barracuda that y'all hate. Now, Here we go. Nelson Cook's uh, deckhand, Charlie Brownell, took us up to Delaney's Fish Market in uh, Laguna Beach. Okay. That's where we'd sell the barracuda. 
Wow. We thought it was the great, greatest thing ever. To, to sell to fish and get money, oh, huh? Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was, uh, that Absolutely. Was, uh, I guess they put the passion in us for commercial fishing. Because you just got to fish and make money. Made money. Yeah. But uh, what I did, uh, we wanted to keep the fish really good, so I took two gunny sacks and sewed them together. And we wet it up and tie it on the rail. And we catch these great big log barracudas, which probably today nobody's ever believe it, but they were that big around and stuck a three inches out of a gunny sack. Six, seven, eight pounds. And they kept it in that gunny sack and kept it wet, and they, you could use them for a fence post. <laughs> they, they were that long, huh? Yeah, well, they were so stovepipes. So, so right. right, that's yeah. what they called them now, in the today, day. Yeah. You get these little pencil things, and, right? Yeah. And, and no come. one wants them. No. What and happened? Then, now, did you guys ever eat the barracuda back in those days? Uh, occasionally, barbecue. Okay, barbecue. but there were so many fish in those days. They, you just can't imagine. Imagine you've heard this from your dad, I'm sure. How many fish were out in the, in that water? It right. was a glory days of fishing. After the war, you see there had been no fishing during the war. So you're talking about the 50s, the early 50s? Yes. The early 50s. Yeah. Yes. So you guys got to stay in his garage, go out on the boat, and then what happened? Because you became deckhands. Yeah, well, I, right? I, I, went, in, I went in the Army. I, oh, okay. During the Korean War. So and did uh, my father. Yeah. Was, well, at least that's what he, he was says. Coast Guard. Yeah. I was in the Army. Okay. So I got out of the Army. But during the Korean I, War. I came down for some reason, and I went fishing by myself. And I got on, I'm not sure which boat it was, but Joe Patterson was the skipper. And I began to talk to him, and he says, how'd you like to go to work for me? Jeez, <laughs> that's the best thing I ever heard, you know? <laughs> Working on the boat, yeah. yeah. So that's how I got started. And for some reason, I got Bud and Bill, Bill. down fishing, too. And we all went to work for Johnny Norick, who okay. built the, the real fun. And, and a lot of fun. A lot of fun. The Markle the, Boy. The sure fun. The Sure Fun. Here's a boat we never heard of before. Well, not, that uh, boat belonged to Doug Perrin. Okay. I don't know if he did. Uh -uh. No. Before no. my to time. Laguna Beach. Yes, okay. He lived in Laguna. Yeah. And the boat ran off the Capitol Pier? No, it ran off at San Clemente. Oh, okay. All right. And he built the Marco Boy. You know, are you familiar with that boat? Nope. Well, uh, I, I worked uh, for Woody Payne. Uh, All right. And uh, he uh, built the Marco Boy, and uh, I went to work with him and helped him finish the boat. And then I, I came down to San Clemente, and my brother did too. So you worked for Woody Payne. Yes. Somebody, you guys watching this video, you guys will know this restaurant in Newport called Woody's. That's right. It's Woody Woody's. Payne's restaurant. That's right. Okay, Woody worked on the sport boats for, I'm just giving some guys a background yeah. for it. Actually, he was a bait hauler. He, beat, he was a bait hauler at San Clemente for a okay. while. And then, then he built another boat called the Wharf Rat. All right. And that was a lobster boat. Yeah, because all I knew was Woody was the lobster guy. Yeah. That's yeah. who I knew him when I came well, around. He, uh, uh, after, when I started working with Woody, I worked the first season, and he fished lobsters in the winter. And uh, when we lived uh, in Fisherman's Alley with Kenny Nielsen and his family, I used to build lobster traps for Woody during the winter time. In the alley. In the alley. Stretch out the wire and, and yeah. build these lobster traps. I did that for about an hour one day with Kenny and Bobby, and I found out I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> in the alley. It was in the alley yeah, when I, I did it with 75, them. 75 at a time. Holy moly. That's gnarly. <laughs> Bending that wire? Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> but you were strong and young in those oh, days. Oh, yeah. You mentioned it. They didn't have the, the, the nice cutters they have now to cut them, the air cutters. Paradikes. You're using it for a Paradikes. Holy yeah. moly. And I learned how to make the funnels. 
Okay. On chicken wire. Right. Uh, you pull them and you shake them so that they were fit to the, the uh, inside of the uh, lobster traps, about a four-inch circle. Okay. And uh, now I'm waving it back up. Right. It was about a 10-inch circle, and it went down to about four-inch circle inside the trap. Well, you know about that. And that's the law. It had to be the certain size. Certain size. That's right. the law. Uh-huh. But we got ahead of ourselves here on the lobster thing, because we're just becoming, remember, we're just both becoming deckhands here, you two. Yeah, that's right. So you guys are deckhands on the sport boats back in the, what year? That was in the 50s. Early 51, we two, four, 50, five. 53, I think. Okay. Really that was our first year on a lot of fun. We All right. the boat in the winter of 53, and then we started running the boat. Now, listen, this is, I'm going to the here because these people need to understand on my website. Guys, this was the good old days of fishing, right? Yes. Okay. What were we fishing for? This is going to get you. Watch this. What were you guys fishing for back in those days? It probably be barracuda. Barracuda. Can you believe that? These guys, the good old days of fishing, when it was really good, we were fishing for barracuda. Can you believe that? Tell them how important it was. That's kind of bleeding in there. Yeah. Everybody wanted to catch a barracuda, right? That's right. And they took how weird. They took their barracuda home. Yes, they they love barracuda and the calico bass. Right. Of course, we used to go down. Around the edge of the kelp and run chum line. <laughs> and if we didn't get great lots of action in a chum line, we'd go to the next kelp bed. I mean, that's how many fish were around. So you just drove down the kelp line throwing bait until that's you found right. where they Maybe were that a day. Kelp circle, you know, right? Circle. Chum circles. Yeah. yeah. But they on don't the do edge that. of the kelp. Right. Nobody does that anymore. Mm-hmm. I do still because I'm old school. Yeah. People get blown away. I come in and throw bait on a spot and see if I get any reaction on the machine. Because we have sonars now and you guys didn't have any of that stuff back then, but we, we had could. Nothing. We didn't. You we just had, had to see if they were there by throwing bait, right? Yeah, right? The only way you knew if anybody was home was if you threw some bait. That's but right. it seemed like they were always home. I'm sure we had some, <laughs> we had some bummer days, you know that. That's right. The way fishing is, but we remember the good days and maybe not the bad days. Right. Just like these internet fishermen today, they only see when you post that you caught them. They don't see the other hundred days where That's you caught right. nothing. Just like you guys didn't report when you guys weren't catching shit, but you called your buddies when you were catching them and said they're biting. Mm-hmm. But you were. this is what blows my mind, and I think it blows everybody. And Kenny, your daughter's taking kids fishing today, and nobody appreciates the barracuda. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. What a fun fish to catch. Is there anything better than when they're biting the iron? When they're That's biting right. the iron? Or feathers. Or feathers. Or the feather merchants, feather like you guys, old yeah. school. Yeah. We used to use the little bonita feathers. And boy, they were, you catch so many fish on those. And we used to bounce them. We didn't expect gaff. We just, we learned, we bounce fish. Wing Big them fish. over the side, yeah. huh? Yeah. yeah. But it was an art to bouncing a fish. You can't oh. bounce them, you, you can't keep them. You just can't miss them. You have to be able to spring them on board, you know. The old, got, got the fish coming to you. He's got momentum and speed. Keep that wheel and peaceful. Right. Drop him right at your and feet. And drop him right That's at your right. feet. Don't hit your buddy in the That's face right. with it. That's right. Don't Be ready if that around. jig comes flying out of uh, its mouth so it doesn't kill somebody next That's to you. Right. But the thing that I find that's so unique is every single one of the legends on our website that we talk to, they all talk about Barracuda. That is, here we are. I didn't tell you guys to talk about Barracuda. This is just how it goes. This is where it goes. Every old timer, Kenny... Grew up fishing barracuda. You guys grew up fishing barracuda. I, we loved the springtime when the barracuda came when I was a kid. 
throwing the iron. We learned how to cast mm -hmm. because we wanted to throw the iron to catch barracuda. The feather merchant thing was gone. I learned that when I went up to San Pedro fishing on the Matt Walsh one day. I okay. saw the guy fishing with a chrome sinker and then a piece of wire coming off the chrome with a little jap head. I don't mean to say it. I'm not trying to be politically incorrect. Uh, red, uh, red and white feather or a green and yellow feather or a blue and white coming off that chrome head with the red eyes on it. We yeah. called them jap heads. That's what we yeah. called them, right? Yeah. Right? That's right. And that well, was the made, lure. They were made in they were made Japan. Japan. Right. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not trying to be politically <laughs> no, incorrect. No, I'm just no. telling you what they well, were, guys. Our feathers were the same way. We called them jap heads. They're one-ounce heads with little beady eyes. Right. Glass eyes. You don't call them jap heads anymore. Oh, you no. Holy moly. <laughs> that would be the end of the world if someone called it what it was. That would be it. Go ahead. Well, I'd like to give you uh, your side to catch fish because for some reason up around from Dana Point down there there was very little fish but they, down by the power plant and places there were just so many barracuda you can believe it. And we left the pier probably about 6 o'clock and when we got down there boats that had come from Newport, Long Beach and San Pedro had caught their barracuda <laughs> and were on their way home. Wow! Yes. Came all the way from San no, Pedro. They were down near the power plant. That's not yeah. th that's this power plant. That's not San Onofre. No, that's the Carlsbad power, power plant. plant. That's, that's, a, that's a that's and a that's a day and a half trip. Acres and acres and acres. Everywhere you'd look, you'd see nothing but barracuda jumping. Wow! Uh, I fished uh, usually with Woody. We we run about a hundred charters a year. Okay. And we caught uh, on when those days when we were fishing down there. For I think one month, we caught a hundred barracuda every trip. Every trip there were so many barracuda. <laughs> wow, that's insane to think that that and people came. Oh yeah, out of the woodwork, right? Oh yeah. But you had a lot of charter groups with Dan Clemente too. Yes. That only wanted to Your catch dad barracuda. Dad used to fish on that yeah. charter group. Yeah, that was, was the angling club. Yes, from yeah. San Clemente angling club. And guys. because they took one kid fishing. On every trip, I got to go on the trips because there weren't many other kids. <laughs> yeah. So I got to go on a free fishing trip with the Beautiful. Yeah. So cool. And so now you guys are, what else are we catching? I know we're catching barracuda. We're catching calico bass. You know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> Talk about these unbelievable fish that they're extinct now. And there's hardly any except you see them everywhere you go now. You can't go anywhere without running into one at any of the islands along the coast. But you're working for a guy named Joe, and he was he was the black sea bass guy. We have a spot down between the barn kelp and yellowtail, or the barn in San Onofre, that's called Patterson's Kelp. And why is it called Patterson's? I don't know. I always ask Joe about that. He says, it wasn't named after me. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was, though. I well, that's what my dad, my dad said it was. My dad said it was. It was ever, called Patterson's before? Before he ever, while we were all fishing, it was still called Patterson's Cow. Oh, oh damn. Because <laughs> he, I mean, when we were all fishing, Joe was fishing, I was with him, and he said, let's go into Patterson's. And I said, is that named after you? He says, it's not named after me. Really? I was kidding, but I don't know. Okay, because my dad tells a different story. He said that they named it after Joe because he caught seven blacks but one day there. But we didn't the blacks there. We never caught one there. <laughs> we caught them at the Box Canyon and... Uh, and uh, barn? The barn. The barn? And another little kelp bed called Desperation. Oh, yeah? Which where, is where was... Los Flores. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
south of Las Flores. I've never been That's there. That's a good lobster spot, too. It's on the inside. We're on the inside. It's 20, comes, t- comes up to 20 feet inside, and it's loaded. But Box Canyon kind of was a hot spot. spot. I remember one day, Joe, Joe and I each caught a fish. That's when Joe caught his 420-pounder, and I caught one of the 300-some-odd pounds. We got pictures of both of them. Yeah, the and we're day. gonna show you all these pictures when we get done with the video. We're gonna go through the pictures and sh- we're gonna scroll through the book. They have they've saved so many cool pictures, guys. But so how? Okay, we know how to talk about this because we're not allowed to fish for those anymore. Mm-hmm. But you guys didn't have two speed reels, didn't have braided line, didn't have circle hooks, didn't have all that crap they have today. How did you guys? Okay, we're down. Joe tells you we're gonna. Drop a rod over for black. What are you doing? Well, how's the rod rigged up? What are you using for bait? Yeah, go. Okay. <laughs> I worked with Sammy Cadero. Okay. On the reels run from about 55 to 62. And we started fishing black sea bass. And we found out that they lived at the barn and they lived at Box Canyon. And the way we would rig our line, we had 9-0, pen reel 9-0 with a 130-pound Dacron line. Okay. And uh, we'd uh, rig up a about a four-foot wire leader and uh, would uh, take a dead mackerel or a dead bonita, and I would start by uh, putting the hook in, in the belly of the fish and, and uh, running it back uh, through the body and bringing the hook out and tying a line, piece of line so it was the line leader was inside the fish. Ah, I sew it into the fish. Sew, sew it in it. there. So yeah. you were rigging and it. And sometimes they put a sinker ahead to get it. And sometimes we, we got so we were putting a sinker inside the fish yeah. instead of so all that the they wouldn't see that either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then when we'd go into the kelp beds as we were dropping the anchor, we'd just let this bait go way out ahead of the boat so it would be away from everybody fishing. We'd dangle them up. Okay. And uh, we. Uh, Carried a lot of uh, Marines from Camp Pendleton on our boat on the real fun. Okay. And they kept a yearbook. And one day, or two days or three days in a row, we caught nine black sea bass. I should say the Marines caught nine black sea bass of all various. Nine nine. a day. No, that was in the, say, three day period. Oh, okay. But how big were these fish? Anywhere from uh, 100, uh, from 50 to. 150, 160 pounds. How cool. There, there were just so many of them, it was, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that sounds yeah. so cool. To see. That would be so fun to see back in those days. Yeah. People would just freak out when they saw that fish coming up, huh? It's yeah, like, well, b- b- Bogey, tell them <laughs> your deal. With the, yeah, I let line out like I don't know, on the lot of fine. We used to have something we called tailing line. We, we think it was used on the albacore trolling lines. It was about... What would you say? Sixteenth of an inch in diameter? Oh, more than that. Uh, like for boat line. Boat, boat line. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, Parachute cord. Yeah, very That's small. what we call yeah. it. Yeah. And I don't think there must have been a... Surprise me if there was two, 200 feet of line on that. On okay. that reel. On the 9 On the 9-0. And I headed up on the bow and one of the passengers yelled, You got a hook up. You got a, you got a hit. And I ran up there and the line is practically all gone on the reel. <laughs> oh my God, what am I going to do? And I had a knot in the line, and I, I picked up the rod, and the knot, and I go, and the knot gets stuck in the in the tip, in the t- tip. It was another knot. Oh and no! Zooming down the, the <laughs> on his heels, on my heels, all the way to the stern. I get the, like get your the water skiing, huh? And I don't know, but some reason, some way, I got that fish. It was he stopped. 
Yeah, he's had to stop <laughs> on something. He'd have been gone. Yeah, I'd have been gone. But I was just, he just drugged me down the, down the stern. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, he wasn't a big fish. As I remember, he was about a 125-pounder. That's a nice With one. A nice fish. Oh, my God. You look at their tails. They're like a broom. Yeah. They can push a lot of water, lot those water. things. They're, they're a hard-fighting animal. Yes, sir. You say broom. Have you ever heard of a broom-tail grouper? I have seen pictures. Oh, okay. I was came along after you guys had killed all of them. Okay, one day, one day we had a charter, uh, a local charter from Ocean, from San Clemente. Okay. And we'd gone albacore fishing. And when we came back in, we just kind of, uh, we just kind of missed a little bit, and we ended up down around Solana Beach instead of <laughs> San Clemente. I guess it was a hell of a downhill current something. Yeah. No ran in those days. Nothing. No GPS. You had your compass, right? You had a compass. What and your watch. You what right. did you need? So we ran in. He, normally he wouldn't run into the beach to fish. If we went to Albuquerque fishing, that was it. But because the guys from Oceanside fished uh, uh, once a week for, you know, five or six trips during the summer, we went into the beach. And I ran a tumline line down to Solana Beach. We used to call it the aquarium because the water was so crystal clear. And we had boils come up in the chum line that looked like seals. I couldn't figure what they were. They were huge, huge boils. Because this dining room table is unbelievable. Okay. So we swung around and dropped the hook, and we had uh, three uh, hookups right away. They were broomtail grouper, 50, 60 pound broomtail Oh, grouper. wow. How exciting. One of them, two guys hooked the same fish, and they landed it, and we had one other one. And there used to be a program, Eddie McEwen, I believe, in Long Beach, right. that had a TV program, and these fish ended up Pierpoint Pierpoint. Pierpoint Landing. Pierpoint. Or Pierpoint fishing Landing, Flashes, yeah. they called it. The, yeah. It's called Fishing Flashes. On TV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And those fish ended and up. And your broomtails ended up on there? Yeah. And those were the first ones you'd ever first seen? First ones I'd ever seen. Right. right. Okay. Because they, they were kind of rare, right? Yes, they were. They right? were up here anyway. They were right. there that one year, and that was it. That was that it, huh? Because no. I heard my dad say that they caught them once in a great while. They would catch one fishing for blacks. Mm -hmm. Yes. A guy would catch a broomtail, but it was very, very rare. Yeah. But... What a, what a cool thing to see yeah. them boiling in the chum line. Oh, man. How exciting, huh? Exciting. <laughs> there also was a lot more kelp then than there is now. And I remember them catching a black sea bass and pulling up a thousand pounds of kelp in a big right, ball. Because that's the first thing they do is head right for the kelp. kelp. Yeah. And, then, and you've got to try to stop them if you can. And yeah. that Dacron would kind of cut the kelp a little bit, yeah. maybe? Yeah. And they wind in this gigantic ball of kelp and... Where's my fish? Where's the Dig fish? through there. Through. A lot of fun. How cool is that? And, what uh, a great way to grow up, it was though, a good guys. Way to huh? grow up. Good way you learned a lot, didn't you, out there? Made me a career, basically. <laughs> yeah, I made my living on the ocean my whole life. Your whole life. Doing life. something. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because of you two. Yep. It's all your fault. It's all yeah. yeah, it's all your fault. Look what's happened. You yeah, know, you got him hooked. Forever and ever, me and Kenny, we spent a lot of time together over the years since I was a little kid, but he always talks about you two. <laughs> uh, there, uh, there is never a day where we're together where he doesn't bring one of you guys up. So you were a huge influence on Kenny, man. Yeah. And yeah. Kenny was a huge influence on me. So it's so cool to get to sit here and listen yeah. to these stories. So now you guys are working on the boats and somebody doesn't even understand there was a pier at Capo Beach. That's correct. We so, ran off at Capo. Yeah. Capistrano Beach, guys, just north of Dana Point Harbor, there was a big pier there. But how many sport boats ran out of there? Just you guys, right? Well, a lot of fun. One season, that's all. South of Dana oh, Point really? Harbor. 
Why it's, only it's one season? Dana, what happened? It's north, it's south. south of Dana Point. South, I mean. And, that's and, and, and north of the... Uh, of the pier, right. Probably about halfway between. Right so, where the road comes down from the Palisades. Right. The one that goes Palisades Drive, right there was where the pier was. That was the pier and the clubhouse. There the was club a big house, clubhouse and a swimming yeah. pool, right? That's yeah. uh, after after Johnny Norick sold the operation to uh, Bob Callis. Okay. And for some reason, Bob said he bought, he said, we'll run an operation off of Capo Pier. I can't, I couldn't see really what, what's the point. You've, you've got San Clemente Pier. Right, and everybody's going to the San yeah, Clemente Yeah, so we Pier. went up there, and believe it or not, most of our customers, our, our loyal customers, followed us up there. Okay. And we just fished there one year. And then why was that? Just, well, that was enough, you know. Well, I mean, what happened was the pier disappeared. And of course, the, when, remember they had a, a big storm. <laughs> and, and, and it knocked that and pier down. Yeah. And Plus, it was so hard to get, uh, for us to get on the boats, we had to use a ladder and a, and a rope to swing out to, ke to get the ladder to get down to the skiff to get out to our boats. Oh, and my God. Tough. And then that swell at Capitol Beach is huge. <laughs> Because of the reefs that are there, so you must have had a hell of a time yeah. loading people on the boat. Well, I don't remember I had so much trouble. Oh, no, really? Never, never had any problem. Ever load, lost anyone or got had anyone get hurt? Loading okay, those, loading yeah. passengers. That's what Kenny was saying yeah. about San Clemente Pier when he was a kid. Okay, you talk about having trouble getting people on the boat when I was working at Semi. We had to, we ran the five o'clock boat. Okay. And uh, it was uh, early in the spring, so it was was darn near dark. And uh, the uh, loading ramp uh, at San Clemente Pier worked on chain fall. It could be raised and lowered depending on the tide. The tide, right. Tide to the tide. And uh, Nelson Cook was probably, he's about over six feet. Like a big guy. A big, yeah. tall guy. And we were loading passengers, and somebody up on the pier hollered down and said, Boy, look at the size of this swell coming. And so. The boats had a spring line that was fastened to the uh, bit up in the bow of the boat, and it had a big loop, it was about a half-inch stainless steel cable. And the, the, there was a hook that came out from a uh, great, great huge spring underneath the pier, and I had to put that loop at the end of that spring line on that hook, and then we would run up against the side of the pier, which had railroad tracks running on the pilings. Oh, metal so railroad had, track. Okay. Rub rail on the boat had a big piece of steel so they could... Well, up and and you had a hard left rudder, you know, to keep that yeah. turn into... Right the, up next to the pier. 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 Okay. That's right. Anyway, somebody said, boy, you ought to see this swell coming. So <laughs> Sammy went to back off, and for some reason, the hook on the pier turned around backwards. And I, would, I couldn't get the loop off. Holy sheesh. And so he turned the boat... He, parallel to the pier, and we rode up over the top of this swell, but just before we did that, we swung into the pier, and we hit the pier so hard that I looked up, and the bulwarks on the boat, which is the part of the side of the boat that comes from the deck up to the handrail, had completely split away from the bow of the boat, the height of the Oh, my. Oh, and my. <laughs> As we came down, it broke that stainless steel cable, and the sparks flew, and we had, to, we had to take all of our passengers to Newport to unload them. Wow, because the spring was, was broke. Why we didn't have There was spring. no way to get in. Well, the weather was too bad. Occasionally, we'd have to run up there with passengers. Occasionally, okay. not too often. But see, that's how you kept everyone safe. That's right. That's why you never had anybody. See, that's why we only ran from, the, from April, I think, the first weekend in April till Labor Day. That was it. 
Yeah. And then you mothballed the boats for the season. Yeah, well, that's when you did your maintenance and painting. There, you know, and then we go to Mexico and fish marlin. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bitching. So yeah. talk about that. So you guys started fishing in Mexico. What was that like? Oh, we had. No a, one was down there. We there, had a huh? small boat, you know, 17, 17 foot. foot skiff. And you towed it down there? And we towed it down there. Where? Mazatlan. Mazatlan. From San Clemente? Yeah. yeah. To Mazatlan? Yeah. In the 50s? Yeah. yeah. It was Holy neat. mackerel, was, there's an adventure, well, huh? It, we went all over Mexico in those days, and all over Baja in those days. There that was, must have been so fun. Nobody down there. Well, well, Kenny was down there in, in the 60s, I know. In the 70s, yep. weren't you? But anyway, we went down to Mazatlan, and Doug Perrin, who we told you had this uh, sure fun, he had, he had met a friend down there, Bill Heifel, who was a German, Mexican-German, and he owned a, a Starfleet, a, the Starfleet fishing boat. Okay. And so he let us keep the skiff right there in the water. It was a landing boat, Starfleet. Down in Mazatlan. Yeah, Mazatlan. Okay. So we'd up, every morning we'd get up, we'd go up to the market, and we'd buy mullet. We'd okay. buy a string of mullet, and that's what we used for our... Right. For your marlin bait. bait. Yeah. Now, were you trolling them, pitching them? Yeah. What were you doing? Oh, yeah. what, trolling uh, them? They, uh, Bill showed us how to prepare the mullet. And you'd take the mullet and you'd lay him on his back or on his stomach. And then you'd cut along the dorsal fin on each side from the head to the tail. And he'd reach in uh, uh, and grab a hold of the backbone and snap it and lift the whole backbone completely out of the fish. Okay. And uh, then we were using uh, 7-0 needle eye hooks. And you couldn't, we didn't have stranded, any kind of stranded wire in those days. All I had was piano wire. And you would buy it in, say, uh, six, eight foot lengths. Well, I took it, put a ring in with a twisted eye and put two of them together so we had about a 15 foot leader. Wow. And you take the, this long hook and you insert it in the mouth of the bait and run it back and bring it out in the belly so just the, just the hook was showing, just the... and then you'd sew the lip shut right on the eye of the hook. Oh, wow. And when you trolled that bait, it was just like a dish rag. You'd just flap along the side. And we were half a dozen of 